Whole sports all plays. Whole sports all plays. Whole sports all plays. We're making a place, we're talking the game, get you through the days We're high in the court, they're dying in the lane Variety topics, living the same All presentation, sports information In the airways, taking the nation All sport, all plays, like working your faces Grace at the field, so tie the laces All sports, all plays Welcome back to He's on Fire podcast, everybody. We have Chirsten Susell in the house tonight, and we've got a couple of the things we need to cover. Of course, we're going to talk about the DeAndre Ayton rumors. Of course, we're going to talk about the Cardinals coming up. We kind of have a win, though. After, what is it, five months since the Cardinals meltdown, a couple weeks since the Suns meltdown, everything's been awful at Arizona State football. Everything's been bad for ASU ba- basketball with, you know, a little bit of hope there. ASU baseball and softball went down and, you know, things aren't looking too great for the Diamondbacks. Although, you know, there's that argument that they're being competitive, but it looks like the Arizona Coyotes might have a home. And you know what? I'll take the might at this point. And I have a lot of questions I want to ask Cheerson as well. We're going to get into absolutely everything here. Thank you, everybody, for stopping by on a Sunday night. Please rate, review, all that fun stuff and all the good places. Share it around tonight. This is going to be fun. He's on Fire Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, you guys. Let's go. not hitting so hard like it did last year and that's a bummer because i would love to have him stay here but you know what we can get into all that right now first and foremost we need to welcome in our special guest for the night miss chirsten susell one of the very best arizona sports correspondents and all of journalism and sports journalism down in arizona so chirsten thank you so much for taking the time to come on how are you today I'm doing great. I, I appreciate the very kind intro. Um, I'm currently playing with my dog right now. So if you he is being restless. So I apologize if you hear any barking or growling. Um, I He's just in a mood right now. So I'm also tossing a ball while I'm talking. <laughs> hey, you know what? I would be upset too if my parents were supposed to be playing with me on a Sunday night and they have to go back to work. <laughs> but you've been very busy. So I'm sure he's been highly, highly neglected. You have been sitting in city council meetings. I know very much uh, what goes on there and how mundane and boring those can be. But this was a little bit more exciting. Um, it, it looks like as of right now, the Arizona Cardinals or excuse me, the Arizona Coyotes have a little traction with the city of Tempe. Why is this different than Los Arcos and that whole fiasco oh, 20-ish years ago? Why does this feel more promising than that? 
Well, for one, you have, I mean, the ownership situation is wildly different than it was back then. Um, and I think that they're, they're in a situation right now where they, they do have options. Um, but if you take, I mean, if you, if you take it back to the days of trying to get the deal done at Los Arcos, there was some sketchiness behind the scenes of one person wanted to own the team and sort of misled the, the owner into a thinking that he had a deal when he didn't. I wouldn't even compare this at all to anything that went on back then with the Los Arcos deal, which led to the Coyotes moving to, to Glendale. Uh, I just don't think the kind of sketchiness that existed then exists now. Uh, but it should feel promising because especially after hearing what the, um, the tone, I would say, of city council at the end of the what, eight, nine hour meeting that they had um, this past week. I, you know, I think the vice mayor said it best in that they did a really good job changing the tone of the entire situation. So I think everybody, Coyotes, uh, city council, um, even media members that were soaking it all in felt like, man, the Coyotes did a really, really good job pitching this they have a really good plan there's a lot of question marks that still need to be answered um but the city council basically just said hey like we really think that this could be something good this is our last piece of undeveloped land here in tempe and we're gonna put the ball in your court so we're gonna put the ball in your court to get out in the community and to make them to answer their questions and help ease their concerns. We're going to put the ball in your court to figure out the situation with Sky Harbor because they for sure had some representatives in there in their favor, basically saying like, it's illegal. You're going to get into a legal battle with us. It's dangerous. Um, so they really tried hard to make a, to make a case. Um, so we're going to put the ball in your court coyotes to go ahead and spearhead conversations with sky Harbor, with the city of Phoenix and balls in your court. So, um, you know, I, I have faith in the Morello group and everybody involved in, in this deal that this is something they really want to pursue and that they'll figure out a way to get that deal done. And what you just said at the end there, I think, is the key that they want to pursue. You know, time, timing is everything. And the fact that this is happening now is, to me, I think it's, I think it's a wonderful thing that it happened now and, the, and everything in Glendale didn't get drug out an extra three years or, or, or whatever it was. And for, and for anybody kind of not understanding where we're coming from here, Cheerson has a new uh, podcast called the story and i'm i can't wait to see what you're going to go off of next because there's so many arizona sports st stories that you could do that are just near and dear to all of our hearts and and one thing at the very end i, I kept waiting that the last segment it was like 20 or 30 minutes however long it was i was like okay so what's what's different about this what's different about this and i think it was the last two minutes you had a guest on and they said that this ownership group is different. And you kind of just referenced it right there. Uh, Andrew Barraway and the Morello group who, who you just spoke about, they seem to have the funds to stabilize this franchise, which is what this city needs as a stabilized franchise. Do you think we are going to be able to get that? I mean, I think if they're able to get this deal done, absolutely. There's just so much riding on what happens with this deal. Um, and then, uh, you know, what else would possibly be your options? 
Um, I think if they're able to proceed with negotiations, able to get a deal done, I wouldn't say they're fully in the clear, but they're in the best position I think they've been since the team originally moved to Arizona. But the Morello group not only has the funds, but they have showed that they're willing to not get the team where it needs to be at all costs, but they're losing money by going to play at ASU in the midst of it. Now their hand was sort of forced to the situation because Glendale basically said like, like we're not doing business with any, with you anymore. You have to figure something else out. So the hand was forced. It was like, what do you do? Put the team back into bankruptcy or sell it again. Like that wasn't an option for them. So it it was like, Hey, you're going to have to lose money in order to potentially gain in the future. But the fact that they were willing to do that rather than just say, all right, this is too much. I'm out. It's never going to work here. Like ownerships groups have in the past should say something about who we have owning this team right now. Absolutely. And everybody, thank you for coming into the chat. Yoel, Jason Joyce, Westville, Coda kid. Congratulations to vlogs graduating high school. Bravo, my man. Bravo. Looking forward to the next moves. Drop them in the chat. I'm curious, curious if you're going to be going to college or, or something else. Congratulations, vlogs, one of our, our listeners. So uh, Cheerson, born and raised in, in Arizona myself, huge Coyotes fan. I, I went to like, I think it was game number three or game number four when they finally moved here from Winnipeg and watching the whiteout during the playoffs. I mean, this team was a vibe. It, it was a vibe. It was a shot in the arm. I would say more so than the Diamondbacks. You know, of course, the Diamondbacks went and won the World Series, and that blows everything else out of the water. But this team was a vibe. After all the work that you put in the last X amount of weeks to, to make that podcast, I know you believe that hockey can work here, but can hockey thrive in Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, I think just the missing ingredient here, I mean, of course, ownership has just been something that the Coyotes have never been able to get right, but just it was never going to work in Glendale to the degree that they wanted it to. I mean, originally the perspective was is Glendale was going to be, they thought it was going to be something that it didn't necessarily end up being right. And, you know, it, it's crazy because it has seen a lot of growth and the Cardinals did move out there as well, but you know, the NFL attracts it's, it's once a week. It's not the same. There's 16 now 17 game. I mean, and that's just games in a season. So it's just like, it doesn't have the same amount of pull where people are willing to, there's only a hand, there's only a few home games every season. I'll take the trek out to Glendale. Uh, you're talking about a different sport, a different dynamic. Um, and arguably the NFL in most markets is always going to be more popular than an NHL team. Now, if you put it in the heart of, you know, Phoenix Tempe, which is, you know, where the location would be is just like right in the center of everything. Um, I, I absolutely think that it would thrive. I mean, the, the thing that the coyotes have had, which have always worked in their favor is you've had your snowbirds and your transplants for a, a lot of times from cold weather States um, or Canada that have had a built-in fan base already even if it's not for the coyotes that just enjoy watching hockey and throughout the years, they've been able to build uh, not only a fan base 
for the Coyotes, but also the sport of hockey in and of itself has grown tremendously here in Arizona. So if you stick that team right in the heart of everything, make it easy, easily accessible to go to games. Uh, now you've got entertainment around the arena and things like that. And it's in, you know, it's near ASU. And I mean, they have the right mindset of where this arena should go in order to uh, allow the coyotes to thrive. And if that's the case, if they're able to get this deal done, I have, there is no question, no question that it can thrive. I'm excited for it. It's been, I moved away in 2002, 2003. And then right then we had the NHL lockout. And then right after the lockout, the Wayne Gretzky situation. Then after the Wayne Gretzky situation, it just felt like it kept going on. And, you know, I was in high school at the time back then, so I didn't really get to keep up with them and I couldn't afford the NHL package. So it's been hard for me to keep up. Of course, I watched every single playoff game in 2011, 2012, whenever we made that, that awesome run and we had Smitty back there stopping absolutely everything. I have been more and more into hockey since I moved here to Salt Lake. I want to watch them more. It's just been, it's been hard to do. So, so I'm excited to see it. So what are the next steps with the city of Tempe? I know that they're just negotiating. This is all an agreement to negotiate. And I kind of work in this industry to a point. So I understand that negotiations are just that, you know what I mean? There could be one thing in the whole 132 piece of paper document and they say no i don't like that you're selling snickers so you can't have that here it's got to be twix you know it could be things like is that where we're at right now is that just a step and is there a timetable to this where the coyotes and tempe would like to get something like this done yeah um i'm sure the coyotes timetable is different than the city's timetable because the coyotes really have a finite period of time to get things going um but I, we did ask, um, you know, Tempe City Mayor, what what's next? And I guess the majority of the staff go on vacation um, for the month of July. And so I don't it doesn't look like they're like, yeah. So next week we've got, you know, six meetings and we're going to meet with meet with residents and we're going to meet with sky Harbor and we're going to meet again. And we're going to uh, first draft for this is going to be due. Like, I think it's going to be a little bit of a slow process. And I think they're challenging the coyotes up front to go ahead and get back to the drawing board based on their feedback from this original city council meeting before they even begin talking again. So I don't think this is something that's going to happen, you know, in the next month, even in the next couple of months in terms of like reaching, actually reaching an agreement. And you're absolutely right. Like if you take a look at the, the scale of what they're trying to do, it is far from just an arena. You're talking about housing, hotels, um, a police station has to be built in that area. Uh, uh, you know, you're, you're talking, uh, um, the sky Harbor stuff that we, plus the sky. Yeah, exactly. Over. There's so much that's involved in what they're trying to do. I could not imagine them reaching an agreement um, anytime soon. But I mean, I guess you never know. But yeah, like you said, I mean, simply it, it, it boggled my mind that there was even two people. Um, I, I'm surprised it wasn't a unanimous decision to simply hear them out. I mean, they were not agreeing to anything at this point, not even close to agreeing to anything at this point. So why the city of Tempe and all the council members wouldn't just say, you know what, I have a lot of reservations, but like, let's talk is beyond me. But anyway, yeah, they're just talking right now. And, and this majority of the city staff, they're going to be gone 
um, for a good chunk of the summer. It's kind of like their slow time. So, yeah. I'll take it as a win. This fr- <laughs> this franchise need it, needs it. I'll take it as a win. And we'll see what happens moving forward with this. I am curious to see what it's going to look like inside of ASU Stadium. I mean, we kind of had a little bit of a snippet of it when the Chargers played in the the soccer stadium, you know, in L.A., kind of what that feel would look like. And, and, and it wasn't all that bad. I'm sure it's not going to be the most glamorous thing. But if they succeed here, the arena gets built, it pops up in Tempe, those fans will flock. I really feel it. So kind of mo- shifting gears a little bit. I wanted to bring up a video of a rant of yours back in January, right after the Arizona Cardinals loss. And unfortunately, I spent, you know, 30, 45 minutes today trying to find it. Couldn't find it. Got a lot of other good content from, content from PHNX, but I couldn't find the exact one. So to sum it up, though, you were just like everybody else. We were frustrated. We saw the best team in football through 12, 13, 14 weeks completely nosedive and then cliff and steve kime get a contract extension right and then nothing really happens through free agency and then we get hollywood brown and then deandre hopkins is out for six weeks so you know move three steps forward take four steps back that's what that's the life of an arizona sport so now i've heard you a little bit you know you kind of moved off the cardinals podcast to a point but you cover them for the full year i loved what you and johnny and frank did over there so tell me your views going into 2022 is this a you have to win a playoff game minimum type of season make the playoffs eight and eight record or i guess eight and nine or nine and eight where are you at with the arizona cardinals going into 2022 yeah, no doubt. I mean, the the bar should be no different than it was last year. And qu- quite frankly, they're kind of coming back with the majority of the team that they had last year, um, minus, uh, you know, a, a, one of their their star pass rushers. But outside of that, I mean, for the most part, and then, you know, the Hopkins suspension, but you're coming back with largely the the same team that you had last year. And so why should expectations be any different? I mean, if you're not winning, if you can't win a playoff game, like there's, you've got some serious issues and Kyler Murray should be making another big time jump as well. I mean, I think he's gotten a lot of slack for, uh, if you talk about, you know, leadership, decision-making things like that, uh, you know, he's young, he's still maturing, but each and every year that bar for him should be set higher. Um, and so you talk about a higher bar that's set for Kyler, a higher bar that's set for those around him, higher bar that's set for Cliff Kingsbury. There's not going to be any more leeway for him to have the same trend of falling off the wagon at the end of the season. So um, if the expectation at one point we were talking about the Cardinals being a Super Bowl contender last year, and that might be people here in Arizona drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> um, uh, but even a favorite, even a favorite, Cheerston. Yeah. So if, if that was going on last year, um, the standard of at least winning a game in the playoffs and potentially making some sort of a run should absolutely be there this year. I completely agree, but you touched on it. My next question, you know, none of this matters. Kyler can develop. D hop can come back strong. Hollywood Brown can have 1500 yards. None of that is going to matter. If cliff Kingsbury cannot figure out how to close out seasons. There's the infamous graphic everybody knows about where he's three and 42 or whatever it is. What is he going to do to change it up? And do you believe Cliff Kingsbury can change it up? Is this team primed to be able to do so? I mean, does D hop being out for six weeks and then coming on strong help that case at all? None of this matters unless this uh, situation is fixed, right? Cheerson. Yeah, I don't 
think it fully falls on Cliff, but the one thing that he can do is set a different tone. I think there's been some questions about whether or not he's the right kind of coach that Kyler needs to be able to take that next step. So there's, I feel like you can, there's no like, Oh, as long as Cliff does this, or as long as Cliff does this, or he just needs to change that. And the whole dynamic of the team will be different. I, I think with a lot of what happened and it has to do with the off the field kind of stuff, like leadership type of stuff, mm. the dynamic in the locker room um, and, and the culture. And I think that's why they brought guys in like, you know, like a JJ Watt last year um, to kind of help that culture. Um, to me, I don't think Cliff needs to all of a sudden become this and he's grown every, I mean, he's the great sure. thing that I like about him is he is very open of like, I didn't come in here knowing everything and knowing more than everybody else around me. He has very much been like, this is uh, like, I'm lucky to have this opportunity. Cardinals took a chance on me and I have continued to learn and I've made mistakes and I've continued to learn. So he does have some growing to do, but I think one thing that just really, really needs to change is has to do with culture. Um, mm. and, and Cliff has done as experimented with like, when are we practicing and how are we practicing and what's the tone here? Like he's done that throughout his, his NFL career and time with the Cardinals. So, um, hopefully this year he's going to take another step, but to me, all of that stuff mostly points, uh, to, to just culture and leadership. Do you see them? taking the step this year, getting that playoff game, getting the 11 or 12 win season that would really get them over that point. Do you think they can, Shearston? <laughs> it's like <laughs> a win for me to answer this question because I almost feel like if I just off the bat say like, no doubt, um, I might be just too optimistic. And if I say no, that I'm being too pessimistic, like uh, they, they have what they need need in order to accomplish their goals. I'll put it that way, how that plays out. I mean, Perfect. we entered last season and we were so stoked, um, you know, to have a guy like JJ Watt, and then he gets injured, right? Like, so you never know how it's going to play out, but I would say if cliff makes a jump, Kyler makes a jump, um, and they figure out some of the, the, the cultural stuff, the leadership stuff, absolutely. They're in a really good position. Yeah, that's, that's basically the way I see it. You know, there's no reason why they can't and shouldn't have a top five offense. Defense, if you can get middle of the pack, you can still get to the Super Bowl with a middle of the pack defense or offense as long as the other side of the ball is killing it. So I like the way you put that. Very, very PC, very Switzerland in the middle. And I'm going to stick with that. Moving on to more heartbreak for us. <laughs> Phoenix Suns. Um, I still don't know what happened. I don't know if you heard Mikhail Bridges uh, interview just one or two days ago where he was very open about getting their butts kicked and having to come out on fire at halftime. And that just, you know, wasn't the case. What do you, what do you think happened on that lowly? What was it? Sunday evening where we got blown out in game seven. I don't know that there's an explanation for it. I really don't. It's just like some, something got into their heads I think at the start of that game or somewhere in that series, when all of a sudden the, the tide sort of turned to um, like, 
yeah, we're on fire. Like we could potentially sweep this team. Now, I, I don't know that that was what they were thinking, but certainly the fan base was thinking that. Um, and then it sort of turned to like, okay, we, we, we lost one at home and now we, and we lost another one. And uh, now we're heading into game seven and our backs were sort of against the wall. No one expected us to be in this situation. Everybody expected us to be a finals team and uh, backs against the wall and we're at home and oh my gosh, like, what if we lose this game at home? Like, what a disappointment. Like, I would assume that something got in their heads early on. I don't remember who it was, and it might have even been Gerald um, on our PHNX Suns podcast that mentioned that the um, just the, 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 the vibe pregame before they kind of even ran out onto the court seemed a little bit different. They weren't themselves. And this is very much a team that has since been knocked for – the fun that they like to have, but I think they God thrived forbid. on being playing loose and having fun and getting along with each other. Like that was the dynamic they had all year long. And I think when you're forced into a situation like they were in that they hadn't really been in all year long, it was sort of like a, Oh, well we can't be fun and we can't be ourselves and we have to be something different. And I think the moment unfortunately was just too big for them because they had this, they were not a team that should have lost by freaking 40 points or whatever it was like it's inexplicable. It's a mental thing. Like that is a very, very much a mental thing. Um, and so that's the only way that I can sort of grasp the situation, but it will, there is no amount of talking about it that will make it make sense, right? <laughs> it just, it just One, won't ever make sense. 100%. Have you heard the fan theory that came out just a few days ago where there was a rumor that three of the Suns players had COVID for game six and game seven? Did you hear about that one? I did not. Yeah, that was leaking through Twitter. I, I don't know if I can believe that one nowadays or even care at this point. It seemed like way more than just COVID, but, you know, there's that theory out there. So... You touched on Kyler Murray and having to take that leadership. He's the number one draft pick. He's the quarterback. Do you feel the same way with DeAndre Ayton? Does he need to be taking the same steps? He's a number one pick. When you're a number one pick, you're supposed to change that franchise. I mean, I guess for both sides, for good and for the better. Do you agree with that, that DA needs to take other steps as well, just like K1? Yeah, I mean, I certainly think, especially in in terms of, uh, you know, leadership or character or things like that, he probably still has some growing to do. But the thing is, is he was the number one overall pick, but he's not the face of the franchise. You can lean on Devin Booker or CP, for that matter, to have that role and to be the leader of this team. And in DeAndre's di- the dynamic and, and his role on the Phoenix Suns does not he doesn't have the same amount of pressure to be a leader that Kyler Murray has right like and he doesn't pretend like nobody pretends that they're like leaning on DA to like lead them right like that's that's most mostly CP's role and and he, when he came in i remember that being like a big topic of conversation of like oh CP is the one that's going to elevate DeAndre Ayton's game and and not just his his game on the court, but like the mental aspect and show him what it means to like, you know, be an NBA player. Like what does the schedule look like? What does his workouts get? What is the approach um, to getting better? Right. And so like the same amount of pressure, he's not the face of the franchise. Um, and so I don't think I, I get it. Oh, the, the, you know, number one overall pick, but it's not the same. Now, does he at the same time have some growing to do? Absolutely. He's grown a lot though. I can tell you that. 
for mm -hmm. sure, night and day difference between the way that he shows up uh, for his job, but also the way that he shows up when he talks to media. You know, he's now a dad. He's he's another each year. He's another year older. He's another year experienced, and he still is a young guy. So absolutely, he, Da has not arrived when it comes to like growing as a player or as a human being, for sure. Um, and and obviously the falling out. And at this point, it's like, do you blame somebody for being frustrated in that last game? But the falling out that was so public, thanks to some like awesome reporting by like Lil Wayne and Mr. Orange. Thanks, Weezy. <laughs> we got some insight into what was going on on the court between and the conversations that were being had between uh, Da and Monty. But uh, unfortunately, that really made everybody take a step back and, and, and question, Oh, are we giving DA too much credit for the way that he's grown or the way that he's handled the contract situation? Is there more behind the scenes that we didn't know was going on or stirring up behind the scenes all, all year long, things like that were questions. I hate it for him because it's, it's, it really seemed like he had turned a page and had gotten past all of those questions about his character or leadership qualities, et cetera. Um, so I hate that that was a part of the way that they went out this year. I hate it for him. Um, but at the end of the day, the only people that really know the dynamic between him and Monty or him and his teammates or whatever is everybody that's in, uh, inside the franchise internally. So, um, he certainly has, uh, you know, a ways to go, but it's none of this was DA's fault and he has played really well for the Suns, and he has continued to continue to improve every year. So I, I hate to, to say like, he doesn't deserve you know, the, to stay in Phoenix or deserve a contract. He certainly, the contract that he wants, he certainly does. Um, it's just come to a point where it's become a business decision yeah. of what can we make work with what this player is now, uh, you know, expecting to get. So that's what it comes down to. No, I, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, I disagree to a point when I'm talking about a number one pick and uh, and their role and how they're supposed to like change the franchise, but you did hit it head on. He's not the face of the franchise. And I think I have personally failed to make that lineup in my own mind. So I'm going to ponder that a little bit because that's, that is, that is a great point, but there are certain uh, responsibilities you have as a number one pick. So Cheerston, I got uh, just a few more quick questions for you. The first one's a little bit heavier here. You are the Phoenix suns general manager for this off season. Now, you don't have to know the full CBA. You can only trade X amount of players for this amount of money, whatever it is. But you've heard the rumors. I mean, we've all talked about it. I've heard you discuss it a bunch of times. Are you making trades to get KD to Phoenix and shipping DeAndre Ayton out? I want to know what you would do as the general manager of the Suns. Yeah, if that's a possibility, I'm absolutely going after a guy like Kevin Durant. Now, there would be a little bit of, and I've mentioned this when I've talked about it, um, you know, over at PHNX, is that, you're just making the assumption that he's going to be a good fit personality wise. And we all know that you put together a super team and honestly, I don't know if I would say rarely does it work out, but it is no guarantee that it's going to work out when you've got, you know, star, you have to have um, egos in check and players that are willing to play unselfish basketball and I think Monty is a coach that expects that dynamic to exist. So I'm going to go ahead and acknowledge that 
it might not be perfect. But if I can get a guy like Kevin Durant, I'm saying if we can make this move to win now while we still have Chris Paul, um, I'm going to do it. And I think kind of what that would entail is also maybe offloading Mikhail Bridges as well, which <sighs> would be really tough, like really tough. But if you're, if you're thinking that like you can win a championship, if you have this guy, I would say do what you need to do to get the championship. And it's not like the Suns have never, here's, here's how I've sort of justified it. It's not like the Suns have never circled back and brought back a player. So maybe we could get, maybe we could go win a championship and then we'll bring Mikhail back. We'll, we'll trade for him later on down the road and he'll become a Phoenix Sun again. But uh, when it comes down to it, do you think that that move is going to put you in a, in a position to win a title or not? And if they're looking at it and saying, we can do it without him, without KD, then maybe you don't. And, and honestly, like, in my opinion, KD would be a complete game changer. So this is just me. Like, I would go ahead and do it. But when you're making those types of decisions, the end goal should be winning a title. I think the key ingredient to super teams is making sure that those players have a massive chip on their shoulder. Look at when Gary Payton and Carl Malone joined the tail end of Kobe and Shaq, right? Kobe and Shaq didn't care. They had a three-peat. They didn't like each other, right? Uh, look at the the Brooklyn the Brooklyn uh, team when they brought in KG and Paul Pierce. They, they didn't have a chip on their shoulder. KG, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen together, huge chip on their shoulder. Uh, LeBron trying to prove himself and go down to South Beach, huge chip on his shoulder, right? I mean, I'd even go as far back as Barkley, Elijah One, Clyde Drexler, those guys. I mean, Elijah One, Clyde, oh, they already won. Charles Barkley had a huge ship on his shoulder, but Scottie Pippen didn't care, you know? So yeah. that's a, that is a huge thing that people forget to talk about. I question if it will work obviously, but you know, fortunately we do have Chris Paul and he's not in the place to be Chris Paul anymore. He he's, he's going to be a facilitator. So I think it works. Uh, two more quick questions and we'll get you out of here. Cheerson, Arizona state football. You, you you went there. You graduated. You're you're a Sun Devil. Forks up all that fun stuff. I'm sure Saul and and all the Arizona guys are giving you grief every single day with what's going on. What do you make of it? Quickly. Yeah. So uh, honestly, ever since the the NCAA you know allegations and stuff came out, and I like I sort of had tuned out. I mean, it's been a rough go for them because yeah. you had you had COVID and then you have the NCAA violations and stuff like that. So it's just like, what's there to really pay attention to or watch? And the way that I view this team right now, it's just like, why would I want to be invested in this when I know that like you could have something new drop in this at any moment. You can, you, you know, you consistently have players that are in and out of the program because of it. Um, you know, it, I, I think they've, I mean, the amount of coaching like staff that they've, that they've had coaching turnout that they've had on their staff has been crazy. Um, I'm not, I, I, de I definitely didn't think that this year was this past season was going to mean anything because of all of it. Um, so it's unfortunate. I've always been a huge Herm Edwards fan. I felt 
even when they took a chance on bringing Herm in, it was just like, no, like it's definitely uh, a little bit of a gamble. Obviously had been out of coaching for so long, had, you know, was an NFL coach uh, even when he was coaching. But like, I was like, no, this is great. Like, like freaking do something like you're, you're ASU in the pac 12. Like, this is a great move. Go out there and, and get a guy like Herm and everything. Unfortunately, everything seemed to be working for them. Antonio Pierce was like this um, incredible recruiter and was turning this program into something that was like, it was really a destination. And I, that when I, uh, you know, at at, at the, in the heyday of the, of the Herm Edwards era, like that was my beat um, for 12. Like that was the first beat that I had was ASU. So I was ASU, uh, like every single day I was there and it was flipping, flipping Jaden Daniels was huge. And up here in Utah, they couldn't talk enough smack about Arizona state and, and flipping him, but yeah, go on. Sorry. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's like, it's unfortunate that the vibe has changed so much surrounding this program it's like i don't even know what's gonna happen i have no idea are they how is it gonna how long is it gonna take for them to recover but i certainly don't look at this team and think like man i'm really excited for this upcoming season it's unfortunate it's you know like you have this thing hanging over your head still so um i i hate it i hate it for herm i hate it for all the coaches that were involved i hate it for all the players i hate it for all of sun devil fans i just across the board i hate all of it 18 transfers, I think, is what it was that transferred out this yeah. past year. Obviously, some of them, all, all of them for different reasons, some to Division II schools and whatnot. A lot of them really, really big names. Uh, you know, Jaden leaves, and then we get Emory Jones, right? So that that's great. But, yeah. you know, who's who, who's he going to throw to? And, you know, you got Chad Johnson still there and, and a couple other guys, but a lot of the big names have left. It's It sucks. It just, it just sucks. At the end of the day, it just sucks. And then watching Arizona State basketball go out the, the way they did, I'm, I am a little high on them, but I honestly refuse to get excited about any other team in the Valley ever again. Arizona State softball going out just recently, the way they went out was, was tumultuous. Arizona State baseball not having the type of season you kind of really wanted as, as a first year, but you know what? You get the number one player in recruiting as a shortstop. Yeah. That's great for Willie Bloomquist. So look at Arizona State athletics and all the sports we covered. Look at the, the top teams, and you can include the Mercury in this as well too, the top pro teams. Which team is going to be the closest for us to get that elusive title which team do you think is the closest right now i mean i still and could think achieve it i think it's still the suns no doubt for sure i mean they're the they've been the closest one like actually been there you know to the finals in the last couple of years should have been a back to the finals this year and if they're able to figure out the deandre Ayton situation or make some moves and i have full faith in james jones to make the right decisions um i think they're going to be right back in the mix next year so for sure the suns especially if you trade for KD Cheerson. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Please tell everybody about the new podcasts, plural, that you are working on and where everybody can find your content. Yeah. So one is PHNX The Story. It is just a storytelling podcast. It's my biggest passion in life is to tell stories. So I'm really excited that launched just a couple of, just a few weeks ago. Um, And yeah, if you have any questions about the Coyotes, their tenure, how they ended up getting to the point that they're at now, go back and take a listen to that three-part series. So that's PHNX The Story. And then we just revamped our, um, the Phoenix sports podcast podcast on PHNX. Um, so myself, Michaela Perkins, um, every Friday at 1230, we'll be talking all things Phoenix sports with a twist of some entertainment. We've got all new segments, all new content. 
Um, it's a completely new revamped show. So I'm really excited about that. We just had our first show um, on Friday. So a lot of exciting Y'all always got to do this while I'm working. So I always catch the audio side of it, you know, when I'm driving home or I'm trying to do chores around the house. So <laughs> hard to watch that during it. Uh, Cheerson, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Thanks so much for having me. See ya. All right. Cheers. Bye-bye. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Again, everybody go check out the Phoenix Coyotes uh, segment that she just did. Arizona Coyotes. Why do I keep saying that? I don't know if anybody else remembers when they moved into town, when you had Kachuk and Roenick, Javi Bulin, Dallas Drake, Temple Newman. And I could keep going because this was the era that I was all about. Those Kachina jerseys, the dark ones, they got their third jersey. Like, were they not a vibe? Were they not a vibe, you guys? They were a straight vibe. They were more of a vibe than the Arizona Diamondbacks. There was few things better than that whiteout. I mean, I was living in Michigan during this time, right? And this is during the Red Wings heyday in the 90s with Iserman and Fedorov and all those dudes, right? They were talking about our whiteout. In Phoenix, in the desert where where nobody said hockey could exist, right? This team was a vibe, and I fully believe this team can get there. I would like to cover them more. Unfortunately, this has been such a piss poor run franchise. How many owners since they've moved here? Three or four different owners and the league had to own them and operate them for three or four seasons. They've had two lockouts since 2000. That really honestly makes it hard to be a fan when your franchise or your league has two franchise uh, lockouts. That makes it hard to begin with. No ownership group. No players want to sign with you. It's tough, but I can't wait to talk to this person. I don't think I've talked to him since before game six of the most recent playoffs that the Suns, uh, you know, blew away. I've been wanting to talk to him. I mean, I think he came on just briefly that Sunday night even. Didn't have time to talk to him, but here we are. Finally Ooh. back to the He's on Fire podcast, Sir Ahmet. How's it going, man? You know, uh, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Considering everything that's going on in this country, I think I'm doing pretty good. He's on fire. That's a win. If anybody is just doing okay right now, like that is an absolute win. And finally, I mean, I don't know if I can call it. I don't know if he's the host. I haven't talked to you guys about this. Is, is this guy the, the official host of he's on fire after dark? Or are you guys co-hosts? I, I want to bring him in. Right. You know, we're, we're, we're going to fight over it. We're going to do a little battle, but right now he's the host. I got to win it over from him. Oh yeah, he 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 took my training and and he figured out how to do all this and set it up. So you know what he is he is yeah. the unofficial official host of He's on Fire After Dark. Jay Joyce, what's going? On? See, he's even got oh, he's over there. He's got the uh, password and everything, so he immediately gets bumped to the top. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's going now, on, man? How are we I'm doing? Coming for you, bro. I'm coming for you, bro. Hey, you know, like a week all night, man. <laughs> It took me four I hours mean, to the, learn all this shit. The, the thing is, he has an Ohio State Buckeyes uh, shirt on. That's that's immediate no. thumbs down. You know what? We're probably going to get a bad <laughs> review over this. Speaking of which, you guys, please go rate and review us, especially on Spotify, because the Hornets fans uh, rated – or Pelicans, excuse me. Pelicans fans rated our uh, – one-star reviews and whatnot. So please go help us out and do that. Share this out. Donate to the pod through anchor.fm. We really appreciate you guys. 
Ahmed, I'm not even going to get into what you think happened in game seven. We kind of just went through it with Cheerson. Nobody knows anything. You know, and she was dropping bars right now. She was dropping loud. Yeah, bars. she was. Cheerson is a killer, you guys. I, I hope you guys were able to, to listen to the whole thing. Cheerson is I one of my too. favorite correspondents, like by far. I mean, if I could sit down at a bar with a handful of Arizona sports commentators, obviously you guys get the top two seats, obviously, right? I would get Johnny Venerable in. I would get Bo Brack in. Yep. I would get. Uh, I actually like Dave Burns. Don't hit. Don't hate me for it. No, I enjoy I like Dave. He's I like Dave Burns. Man. I can't. You I can't that stand old man energy. You need that old man. I, energy. I can't stand Gambo, but I like him. I liked him 15 years ago when he didn't have the old man energy when he first started with Gambo back when it was Gambo <laughs> and Ash back in the day, and then Ash left. Um, but then you know, I would also bring. Uh, I would bring on Cheerston. I would bring on Paula Boyvin. I'd bring on Doug Haller, who who covers Arizona State as well, too. Like that's like the mecca of Arizona sports to me. I think Cheerston just does a wonderful job. So she was spitting bars. And a lot of what she said, I want to ask you guys too about the difference with K1 and DeAndre Ayton being number one picks and and all that. But let's get into some of the I guess they're rumors, Amit. What do you think is going to happen with the Suns? Do you think there's proof in the pudding with KD, LeBron, Bradley Beal, things like that? Mm. Talk to me. I think it's all smoke. I think it's. I think it's just everyone speculating on what's happening. I mean, dude, dude don't dude, start with me. The season ended so. Amit is already starting. <laughs> no, I mean, so so we haven't talked since. No, you know, we were up. In we the haven't. Air. We haven't gone on air together since we lost. Yeah. And and I and I chut and Jay and I touched on it just a little bit, man. I told him I'm like I'm gonna save it for the big pod, um, yeah. like, okay. So we don't really know what happened. There's a lot of speculation. There was a lot of like I guess the team was winning, and but because the team was winning, the um you know it, it just kind of like it overflowed over like the negative feelings that a lot of the players were having, but. I mean, in terms of like, right. I mean, in terms of like what we're doing next, I mean, I'm still stuck. Like I, I, I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out what happened. Right. So like, was it like something that built up over time or was it just an instance and the way that Mikhail Bridges. So so before you get into that, I want, I want to bring this point to you. I don't know if you heard this. Do you remember when Monty got issued his coach of the year and like book and uh, Chris Paul and stuff there, there and their kid, the kids walked in. You remember that the very first thing was, Hey, yo, 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 regardless of everything that's going on right now, we celebrate everything. And then they went into Monty's thing. Yeah. You look kind of, when you kind of pause that and you kind of look at the like four or five players that are around them, like all their heads are down like this dude. And so there was clearly something right there. The fact Chris Paul had to said, regardless of everything else that's going on. And this is when the series was two, two. That yeah. is a big red flag for me. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think that may be reading it into it a little bit too much, but it could be a hundred percent true too. Like you could go either way, but I think that everything falls on this team on basically three people, four people, James Jones, um, Booker, CP3, and then Aiton has to play better. Monty. And, yeah, yeah, sorry. Did I, did I say Monty? That was, okay, so no. that was a fourth guy. The fifth guy is, is, is Aiton. Because even if Aiton – so let's start at the top. Like James Jones, he tried to address all the issues. He brought back some guys. Um, you know, Torrey Craig was 
completely wasted. Like he did not prove to be the same player he was with this team before. Chris Paul. Now it's at a point where it's it's like Anthony Davis status, where it's like if it's a playoff time, Chris Paul cannot play, or or he has to be in a limited role. Like he just gets hurt way too much. The the stamina, the endurance that it takes to play in a playoff game, because they these players always say that a regular season game, yeah, but a playoff game is like two times that type of energy level, and a finals is even more than that. So Chris Paul in the second round, not being able to finish. That's, you know, and he had five points at halftime in game seven, five points. Okay. Um, That is, I mean, you have to, you have to be aggressive, right? And even if they're pushing off your spot, then you have to find other ways. And he is such a gamesman of, of, of basketball. He knows how to get fouls. He knows how to at least create something. And he wasn't doing that. So I, I honestly thought he was disinterested at that point. I didn't think he was cared. Like that's, that's what I saw. I don't know if you guys, did you guys see that too? Did, did, did you I, think he cared? I didn't know. I didn't know how to characterize it, but that was a, yeah. Yeah. And Jay, what, what do you think? Did you think he was putting his hundred percent effort? I, I think everybody were checked out. That was sort of everybody's body language to me. I, I think book, I think book didn't check out, but I, I think he played in a point where he didn't know what to do. He didn't know yeah. how to split a double team. He didn't know how to throw out of a double team. He didn't know how to like, you know, uh, kind of escape the double team and do something else. Um, so that, that that's why I, I look at book and I go, and, and this is why I was really conflicted on who I wanted to win this year when we got to the finals, because I'm like, I don't want the Warriors to win because their fan base sucks. Um, I don't like the way they play. I hate Draymond Green. Um Steve Kerr used to be part of our franchise. So there's a lot of reasons for me to be like, I don't want the Warriors to win. And then the only reason that I didn't want the Celtics to win is because I didn't want Tatum to get a championship before Booker. But now I think about it and I go, maybe that's what Booker needs is to be like, you know, you have to find a way to score. And uh, Tatum has been in more battles than Booker's been in, in the playoffs. Like he's been in a couple of games before this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what it takes, right? Like the Bucks, like it took Giannis a bunch of defeats to get to where he was last year. Yep. So maybe yeah. this is what Booker needs. He need he needs some salt in the wound to understand that. Be like, yeah, people are going to compare you to him, and the next Kobe is him now. It's 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 Tatum. It's not you. you it was you Jason Tatum at first. Book took it away last year, I think, and now he Tatum did took it back again. He yeah. did. But but Tatum Tatum definitely stole it with that. What do you have in the game that the, the game seventy like forty seven points or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean whatever it was. Like Tatum I got I got to be honest. I haven't watched a thing of basketball since then, and I didn't watch game two tonight. And I didn't watch I most didn't of either. stuff. Um, I only I, I I because I'm such a, a sicko. I just go back and look at the box score. Um, I watched yeah. this game with a bunch of friends actually because I needed a place to take my son to you know do something because I'm single dad this weekend my, my wife and my baby are away but uh Losing your mind. <laughs> yeah i need i needed something um but yeah i mean tatum i don't like his game i think booker has a better game but i think tatum is a little bit more aggressive than booker is when it comes to yeah. driving the paint taking like difficult shots even though booker takes a lot of difficult shots but he he's really good at passing out about uh, at a, a double teams and, and, you know, and he, he leans on that and that's the offense needs that. 
So, okay. So we talked about Booker. We talked about Paul. We talked about Aiden a little bit. Let me talk about Monty. Monty didn't make any adjustments. I mean, we taught, I mean, Twitter, we were all over this, right? We're like, where's the adjustments? Um, where, where's the Spain pick and rolls, multiple Spain pick and rolls. Where's attacking Luca? Where is, um, where's Aaron holiday? Anything. Where's Aaron holiday? Yeah. You know, um, don't just a lot of stuff like where's this we 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 couldn't go to a small ball five with with uh crowder we didn't even try that like we didn't try stuff we just kept trying to do what we're doing and it didn't work and um so it was very cliff kingsbury-esque wasn't it yeah it was and and it makes me think like are we the next utah jazz are we or not or not when snyder stepped down Right. Yeah, that's that's big, by the way. And, that's going to have yeah. ramifications throughout the league. And if we run it back, right, like that's where I'm like the 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 lowest the lowest we can be is the Utah Jazz, where we're just running back with the same team. And mm. I don't know what the highs can be. I don't know what I, the highs I, can be. I I, dis, I disagree because it you know not every like they say in football before it was a 17 game not every eight and eight season is built the same right so i I disagree with the jazz just because when they got donovan mitchell and they made it to the playoffs and got bounced the first two years it was kind of like we're we're happy to be there we didn't expect to be here right and then they bring in uh uh bogdanovich and they get the number one seed and then they thought let's try to run it back this year and do the same thing so i i disagree because i just think that one was built a little bit differently but i know exactly what you're trying to say are you just going to be this fourth to seventh tier team every single year or third, whatever, whatever that is. Yeah. Cause Utah, I think last they were the first place, their first seed last year. Right. But and then this year they were like, what the uh, fourth or fifth seed. Um, I mean, it's just like fourth seed. Yeah. Lost to five dollars. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, can you run it back with the same team? Now there's other things to, to, to put in the scenario is that now you have a bunch of uh, expiring contracts you can get Dario back if you want him. Maybe that changes some things for you. You don't need a Biombo, right? Like that that contract goes away, and that was a minimum deal, but you'd have to pay him more than what you did this year for what he played for. Um, you're going to have to pay more to uh, Javel McGee. You're obviously going to have to pay. Now, the Cam Johnson thing is like, now you're at a point where it's like, okay, bro, um, you, you really didn't show up that much in the playoffs, so... We can't hey, need to Mikhail. And, and, and yeah, and, and but Mikhail at least is that I think he's Mikhail had a few career. games where he was the second best player on the court, especially in that, but not all. Series. But then there was games where he was not even on the like, oh, yeah, was, yeah, absolutely. But I'm just and saying, he was, and then Mikhail he wasn't even defending, yeah. But but at least Mikhail through the season can give you consistent defense to get you to 60 wins, you know, yeah. Um, and, and Cam, I don't know. Like, I don't know now. Like, I'm, I'm really confused about how I feel about Cam because he goes on yamming on uh, PJ Tucker in the finals in, in a game where we're losing, trying to get us back, hitting threes. He's doing a bunch of stuff. And then he just can't figure it out for even the first round. You know, he has bad games. So, and then, and then the, and maybe that's the injury. So that's why I'm just like, I'm totally confused on how to feel about this team because there's so many components right. that are there there's there. not something and i've heard this from multiple people there's not something you can reach out and touch and be like oh he was injured oh they were that oh this is why you know what i yeah. mean there's not one thing we can put on which is why it's so it's it's hard 
Like, I'm not gonna lie, this is one of the worst. This was worse than the Cardinals losing the Super Bowl, like by far, because that was 100 percent because the Cardinals were in the Super Bowl, and you can go back and if you want to get ticky tacky about refereeing, you know, there's a potential that that play didn't that game shouldn't have ended on that play, or at least they yeah. shouldn't have scored on that play, right? I, I, I'll always go back to Entrell Roll, bro. Entrell Roll stepping onto the field when Fitz is coming down to try to tackle Harrison, gets in his yeah. way, and Fitz has gets like half tackled and then runs and gets him at the last second and almost gets him out. If Entrell Roll wasn't there, that dude's going down at the eight yard line. End of half. Probably, but I'll also say this: that was plus the cards really, went out. That was like the, if you want to show how not to tackle somebody, just show him that Fitz like hold 90, 100 yard. Because he had so many not, opportunities to tackle him. Not and, to mention, the, why are we? It's why James is, Harrison. Though. Why is Kurt Warner throwing the ball at the two yard with at the two yard mark and yeah. throwing that kind of pass? But and it, that was a cliff play. Right. That was a cliff. Oh play. my I mean, god! There's a lot of things we can say about that play, but the thing is, this is depressing. At a point, <laughs> we were winning that game on a Fitzgerald runaway touchdown. Yeah. Right. And if there was somebody else other than Aaron Francisco playing on that play maybe we win that game you know anybody me put me out there put me out there coach. everybody except money mike williams who was like five foot eight at the time or something yeah i don't know if you remember that whatever name. it is dude whatever it was um but yeah so but that was they were but they were winning that game the, the problem with this is that when you go back and look at it and so like you know I, I went to this um this little party that we had to watch game two and there was a Warriors fan there. I don't I don't show my allegiance. Like my friends that were there, they know and they they're not gonna say anything to me. Um, but like there was a Warriors fan there and I didn't show my allegiance and he was just talking about it. And I had to ask him, because because I'm like, dude, do you like um Dream on Green? And he's like, Yeah, I love him. And I'm like, because because we had some conversations previously with some other folks that I knew there, and they're all Lakers fans, but I'm like, dude, this got 97% of the league thinks this guy is trash not just because he talks all the garbage and can't back it up but the fact that he plays so dirty right yeah so then my next question to this gentleman was well do you like pat beverly and he's like i mean you know yeah but i'm like dude at some it's really like the fandom right like how can you yeah. like how can you like draymond green like he is so like he's such a sensitive dude he plays so foul. And I would like, so if there was a trade to get Draymond Green to the Suns, vetoed, right? Vetoed across the board? Yeah, I don't want him by any I'm stretch. I'm not doing that. No. Yeah. I like his play style, I guess, to a point. If you take the illegal shit out of the way, I just, he's, I, I don't want that attention on us. I don't want that. No, I don't want him. So, so you guys, I don't think you guys watch the game. He got he got a technical in the first quarter of that game. He could have got at least five yeah. technicals in that game. He was touching yeah. people in the face. He was like tackling people. He was doing the arm hook thing on the offense. Trying I, to draw. I saw the foul. Grant Williams shit and I saw yeah. the Jalen Brown shit. Yeah, yeah. So and Jalen Brown he gets away. He, yeah, he gets away with so much shit. It, it's hard to watch Warriors games, just specifically Draymond Green. Like, yeah. I, I can't stand watching him. And he's such a front runner too, you know. And I, I just I, I get, was, get it, my man me, book out of Phoenix. Yeah, I know. exactly, exactly. Dude, Tampering. What, what, what <laughs> and, and, and who, who else says he, who else says shit like that? Pat Bev. Yeah, Pat yeah. Bev, right? 
So these guys, these guys, the to guy. me, and, and so Richard Sherman. Yeah. That kind well, of guy. I, I kind of like Richard. Legion Sherman. of Boom, uh, Richard Sherman, not Richard Sherman outside of that. Right. Yeah. Maybe not him yeah, trying I, to I, kick down the door, but. <laughs> I, I liked when he was talking shit to Michael Crabtree. Like, I thought that was pretty cool when he did that. <laughs> Sorry, uh, ass was... receiver. <laughs> Snatched his like, chin or whatever. I like that part. But, no, I mean, so going back to Draymond, honestly, like, I think he's really, really overrated. I would take Dennis Rodman over him because Dennis Rodman had yeah. oh, at least. Yeah. Right? And he would, they would put that's a hot take post. for whatever reason. I don't get I, like, I don't get it. Like, I said that on TikTok and pe- fucking people blew me up. They're like, How can you say, like, Ron? They, they don't know. They don't I'm know. I'm like, I'm 21 years old and I know that Dennis Raman, uh, like, everybody wanted him and like, he can fit in any system. You do your, ho- you he- do your homework though, dude. You do yeah. your homework. Yeah. Like, those other people, anybody that says Draymond or Pat Bev is better than Dennis Rodman you you have to cancel them like everything yeah. that they say afterwards does not matter when it comes to basketball yeah and uh, and i love that we always agree on this stuff but i mean like th- what i want to say about dennis Rodman is that he would run the triangle they would put him in the post with the ball and he would run it i know they do that with draymond but draymond was he he's not even looking to shoot like he's not even mm-hmm. looking to do anything else he's always looking to find steph and um or clay and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just – it hurts because – and we know this across the board that all the analyst experts said that the Sun should be in the finals. And if we were playing this, I really want to see how we would play against the Celtics team. I, well, we're never going to know because this this whole playoff run, we were a shell of ourselves. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so looking forward a little bit, like – you know, even if we would have advanced past past Dallas, there was a lot of questions about campaign. Like this guy could not even get on the court, right? And Monty mm. refused to pay play um, Aaron Holiday, and Tory Craig was a, a bust, complete bust. Who um, never heard of him? Yeah, exactly. He's a ghost. Um, so that's why this thing is upside down because the suns are in the upside down, dude. They're all, they're all gone. They're ghosts to me. Well, the the good news is, is that two weeks from Thursday is the NBA draft. And that's like, I'm really looking forward to that. Cause that's when I felt like I could turn the page with the Cardinals. Finally, you know, we signed Zach Ertz and I was like, okay, I, I can talk about this. Here we go. And then there was nothing, but then the NFL draft happened trade for Brown. I'm not saying that the, that the Suns are going to do that, but I was saying things are going to, are going to switch that way. So a few things that I'm hearing, by the way, is that a lot of the NBA, and this was before Quinn Snyder retired just last night or whatever, two days ago. Um, uh, a lot of the the league is going to be waiting on get this the Knicks, which which is so funny to think of, because it's the the worst kept Knicks. secret in the league was that Julius Randle was getting traded for Zion and Spida Mitchell was going to be going up to New York, and so then that leaves the Jazz to pick up the pieces and you know the rest of the league to kind of funnel. But now the Knicks want to make a run at at Jalen Brunson by hiring his dad as an assistant coach. I forget. Mr. Brunson's name, Coach Brunson, what his first Rick. name is. But Rick, I, something with an R seems to make sense. Yeah, I think but they're Rick. waiting for him 
for Jalen Brunson to become a free agent, to move there, to decide if they're going to trade for Mitchell or not. I could actually see Mitchell going to the Heat for like a Tyler Harrow type of package or Duncan Robinson. That's that what I was thing. thinking. But yeah. that's that's what's going to be kind of the barometer to all the moves happening. So when I heard that, I was like, well, what about the Phoenix to KD thing? And I just started thinking, I was like, you're going to ha- you might have to get a three team trade in there what flex texted out or tweeted out a while ago and said, you know, trade, you got to trade for like Basil or Pirtle in a pick for lower value. So you can make the move for KD. Cause you make that as the precursor move. Then you do the KD thing, but all that is kind of predicated on a lot of these other teams. So I just thought that was interesting take by the way. So take that for what you will. I mean, I'll just say this, like if you're going to trade for KD, then CB three has to go because we can't have two fragile ball handlers on the team around book um, because, because did you hear about my take with chris paul and, and uh derek fisher i saw that i did see that um, yay or nay so it's funny because so again i'm at a lakers watch party for the the warriors they're all rooting for the warriors um they're all like yeah you know basically cp3 all he does is jump into people and get fouls and I'm like, or first they started with Nash. Like Nash is the guy that jumps into people to get fouls. I'm like, well, he does one move. He does one move where he slows down on the drive and then he draws the foul, right? And then it's usually an and one. Um, that's not illegal. That's not dirty. That's nothing like, that's gamesmanship, right? CP3 mm-hmm. does the same thing. But tell me a time when you ever seen CP3 jump into somebody because he does not even go to the rim. No, man. No. He avoids contact at all yeah. costs. Yeah. So, so Derek so, Fisher, he needs to be treated so like Derek, Derek Fisher, Fisher. At the end of his career, that's what he did. Was yes. jumping at him. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's true. But what did Derek Fisher do? <laughs> Ran the offense, got it to Shaq and Kobe, operated the pick and roll, hit clutch shots when needed. That's what he, he did. That's a, what we need from Chris Paul. For sure. And he's a better three-point shooter than uh, – He gets credit for yeah. Well, I, I I have to look at the stats. You're right. I don't know what I'm saying. Hey, in clutch time in a game seven, like you give me a Derek Fisher three over Chris Paul. I'll take Derek Fisher shooting that three. Remember the one where he had Especially like point four seconds three. left or something? Yeah, oh, yeah, if it's a spot of three for sure. Because Derek Fisher was money from the wing. <laughs> yeah, dude. CP3, he, CP3 has to build rhythm and like take about the drip. He he's not like a spot up shooter. He no. he's too short, dude. And he's and he's right handed. That 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 gives uh, Derek Fisher when you're left handed and you people don't like it's just weird. Like left handers, they have like an advantage because no one ever thinks you're gonna shoot that way for some reason. Derek and, Fisher uh, was Jack too. Yeah, and he was. Jack. Oh yeah, he was like a mini Iguodala. Jack, and CP3 has always been hurt, even when he was like 20. He's always hurt. Yep. I'm trying to look up his uh, stats right now. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, keep looking. But that, that I mean, he can do what he does in the regular season. That's fine. But when it comes to the playoffs, he needs to be Derek Fisher 2.0 and nothing more because we just can't rely on him. That's why I, 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 mean, I personally like Bradley Beal. Like if there was a way we could trade DA for whatever, get Bradley Beal, go sign another center, run it back. I love Bradley Beal. What, I, what, I, what, I, what I other center are you going to get, dude? What other center are you going to get? Clint Capella? Sit, yeah, I'll take Clint Capella, who had just as good of a defensive rating this year than him. 
one that already knows Chris Paul, one that can go up and yam it down on somebody, play the interior defense and do a few things. I'll take Clint Compella over that. I think the player that DeAndre Ayton is versus Beal, Beal is a far superior player. And the dropout that we're going to get is not going to be as significant if you get a guy like Clint Capella or Thomas Bryant, who I like, but he's he's a young guy too. So you, we can talk about that and the validity of it all you want. But I think Clint Capella would be perfect. Look, I, perfect. I just think so. We, you know, Cheerson made this point and you, we talked about it a little bit, but when you got a number one draft pick and we don't even really know the, the, the things that we're hanging on. DA's head right now is that he didn't show up in the games that we lost. But when we look at last year and we saw what DA did right um, in the playoffs, like he showed up in a role in a role, he was a role player. And I really think with, if we're, if we're talking about CP three is not there, he's, he's too old. Why don't we give the money to Aiden and see what, what see, see what he can do as, building the offense around him because centers don't win bro that okay um it's a ball handler guard league that's my that's my personal opinion i would not but i think you i think you can be different than these teams and then like i I, like i was looking at the box scores of all these teams dude and all these teams do is shoot threes and score at the rim and get free throws but the mid-range is gone and somebody like ayton somebody like chris paul somebody like Devin Booker, they were scoring like they were scoring 40 points in the mid range. Those three guys. Right. And, and, and uh, include Mikel. The re- like it, when I went back and looked at the Mavericks box score when we when we won and lost, like they were getting eight points in mid range, eight compared to 40. Like it, the variability in the offense that you can do when you have somebody, because I think that's a problem is like what happens is a team wins and then everyone's like, oh, they're going to win next year. And then we got to replicate what they do. Right. So, like, there's no other Al Horfords out there. There's only one Al Horford. Like, there, there's maybe, like, a Miles Turner, maybe a couple guys that can do something to Al Horford, but he's got the good mix of mid-range, post-up, sure. right? Three-point shooting uh, and defense basketball IQ. and be able to be a small ball five. But DA can do all those things. I truly believe he can do those things. I think it really comes down to him getting the ball more. Um, I found you know, I, uh, the clutch yeah, stats if you guys want to hear. So um, it, they didn't have it on stat muse or basketball reference, not that I can find, but complex, uh, uh, complex sports put together the uh, clutchest players of all time of the top 25. Derek Fisher is at 25, and he averages close to nine points in the clutch. And if you don't know, clutch is the last five minutes in the fourth quarter. Averaging nine uh, nine points within those five minutes is – pretty tight yeah. uh, like uh, wow. that, 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 yeah that's pretty, that's really good <laughs> well when you got kobe and Shaq and all those guys too that that makes sense yeah um uh, uh, i i just i, I just don't want to build around da because i don't think he's quite he's not worth the max but you have to pay him the max and if that were the case that's fine like pay him the max like i've said that this whole time i think we're gonna get stronghold to force to pay him the max and I don't think he is. That's totally fine. I just think that we need we, – I, I think it's more important to have a ball handler, uh, playmaker type of guy in the perimeter like Beal over Aiton. I just – I would take that – and I should have listened to myself when I wanted to 
I originally wanted Luca over DA. Heard all the stuff about Luca being a child, yada, yada, yada. I was like, okay, give me DA. Give me DeAndre Ayton all day long. I want a center. We've never had a center before, right? I was yeah. all about it. But I knew, I knew in the back of my mind, it kept telling me, like, no, you need a guard. Uh, not necessarily a point guard, but a shot creator, a shot maker, a big shot taker, and that kind of player. And that's what's going to put you over the hump in the NBA that kind of guy and you look back at especially the last 20 years give me a center that's that's led his team tim duncan i'll consider tim duncan a center because of how they played right i'll consider him a center after that i mean give me another one that led it you know that's but the thing is like you say that right and we had two of those guys and they didn't show up we had two of them one was a hall of famer right and one is an all nba player and where were they one, we should have learned last year with Chris Paul, right? We should have learned our lesson and, and should have known yeah. that. Where, and, where and was that Booker? You know, I'm Jones. One hundred percent. I'm gonna give yeah. Devin Booker a, a a get out of jail free card because of him making the All NBA, because of the All Star appearance, because of all that he has accomplished. And Da has not made All NBA, has not made All Star, has not done that stuff. And when he's gotten the ball, he was not as uh dominant as he should have been he wasn't i'm still dominant, curious but he was efficient he was so efficient dude yeah of year. course you're efficient when 82 percent of your free, of your uh, field goals are going to be assisted that means still, he's not creating he's not creating for his own though he's not creating his own no 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 82 percent of his shots that were makes were assisted and and i guarantee you at least another 10 to 12 percent were off of offensive rebounds that were little buckets right there uh Okay, so okay, so let's say that, but he also was, I think a percentage was like 63%. Um, and how many of those were assisted is what I'm and what I'm saying is that because somebody got him the ball, right? Somebody was able to pass him the ball where he was able to make that field goal. You had to have that person create that shot, break down the defense, tell people what to do, make that right pass, and all he had to do was finish it. I know it's a lot easier saying it than actually doing it. But that's why I think you need more ball handlers. We can't trust Chris Paul. Personally, I would trade Chris Paul right now if we could get something legitimate back in the point guard. If we could get DeJounte Murray or SGA. I don't, I don't know anybody that would do that right now. What? what? Dame. Dame. Oh, that would take Dude. another podcast for me to do some additional research. I have a hard Dude, time ball with that. dominant and his defense is I don't, I don't mind that. His defense has sucked, but it's been in the Terry, the Terry Stotts drop defense. So I want, I do want to see what it's yeah, like if he actually yeah. plays in a real system. But I also, he's 31 too. He's getting that age. It's part of why I don't want to do KD as well. Bradley Beal's 28. He's too old, dude. And he's hurt and he, he always stays hurt. That's that's like, what that's what I'm saying. And I I, I I say I have a hard time saying no to KD. Like if it happens, I welcome with open arms. If I had the decision to do it and I had other options, it's the key. If we have other options, I would try to look at those other options. But I want another legit like Jason Tatum, like Jason Tatum, another legit guy like that. And if you could get Beal and Booker together to be able to do that and have Chris Paul take that role, uh, like I, that's what I want, but see that I see, I guess that's where, like, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm always steadfast because we're looking at the current recency bias and being like, okay, well they got these two great wings. Right. And like, we need to have two great wings, but I'm like, you don't have to win that way. Oh, uh, like honest. So, yeah. uh, when, uh, when we did the show a couple of days ago, you mentioned, uh, there's no three headed 
uh, you know, yes. dragons, whatever in the league. There's there's always someone that needs to step back, but we're we're all saying as a collective that Chris Paul needs to step back and just facilitate. Yes. So so wouldn't it make sense that we bring in someone as ball uh, like offensively gifted as Brad Be- uh, Bradley Beal or KD, do, even though I do you I, like I, do you like Bradley Beal as a player? Do that without Chris Paul's contract being part of the trade. That's what I'm saying. Mm. Well, if he wants to win, he's gonna have to take a pay cut. I think that would show some uh, veteran. I would like ship. that. Also, yeah. Sarver said that he's probably they're gonna go in the uh, in the tax this year. Which look at the Warriors and the tax, and look how much it, like the economic impact that they're creating is absolutely ridiculous. So it pays to go in the luxury tax. So one hundred percent. Another thing, may, maybe maybe he's learning that. Maybe Sarver's learning that, and he can put in a little more money. There, there's that aspect to it too. Um, but do you, but do you me, like Bradley Beal just as a player? Amit, do you like Bradley Beal? Like, do you like his game or whatever? It's never done anything in the playoffs. I mean, that's my problem. Like, I'm always looking at, like, it's what fair. actually wins. What actually wins. You know, but let me just go back to this take because I, I, I put it on their podcast last week. And basically, so my theory is, is that there's no such thing as a big three. There's never been a big three, ever. Because there's always one player that has to sacrifice their game to make it work. And that's just the economics of playing a five-on-five game that's, like, continuous, right? So, like, Chris Bosh, 25-10 and 10 dude, comes to Miami. He's yeah. a three-point shooter and a defensive specialist. Like, you know, the one of the Kevin first three and D centers, right? Yeah. Kevin Love, another one. Ray Allen. Um, you can go down the board. I would even say that probably Clay Thompson was – with a lot of his possessions got taken away. I'm talking. I'm, I'm talking about with uh, yeah. with Kevin Durant there, right? Oh yeah, for sure. You, yeah. you talk about Michael Scotty and Dennis Rodman. Scotty's the one that took the back door. Dennis did what he did. You know, yeah. Michael did what he did. Scotty had yeah. to take the back seat. Yeah. Um. So I, I just think that like we're looking at it a little bit differently, and mm-hmm. like you just said, Jay, like CP3 is the one that has to step back, and there has to be a number two. In my opinion, I think it works better with Aiden because there's not a lot of people that can guard him. Look at the centers in the finals right now. Who are the centers? Yeah. We're talking about I know. the 6'9", and Robert Williams. And Al- I know. Al you're, not, you're not wrong. So let me add this wrinkle into it. So Flex comes out a day or two later talking about how that they were the Suns were trying to trade Aiden already. He's been unhappy. He wants to be the one, which makes the DeMontis Savonis trade rumors make so much more sense now. I mean, in hindsight, I almost wish they would have done it considering the turmoil that we're in now. And DeMontis Savonis would have had a chip on his shoulder, yada, yada, yada. But they, this is coming out. The, the video game article comes out. Apparently, apparently we're, we're been burning on the inside, right? It's been fire on the inside. Guys aren't getting along as much as we initially thought they were. And DeAndre Ayton wants to be the main focal point and all that. Do you like, let's talk about that aspect of it and that wrinkle into this. I mean, does he want to be back? Is it best for him to move on as a player? Can it be, you know, marriage back together? However you want to phrase it. I think Monty and him have to figure it out. I think that's it. Like if he wants to come back, you know, he went to high school in Phoenix like the the fan base loves him or I, I I shouldn't say that like part of the fan base loves him and will die for him <laughs> will do anything for part him, of the fan base. Right? <laughs> and the rest of us are like um you know we just need to see more. Yeah, yeah but 
I think him and Monty, if they're if they can't get on the same page, um, then then it's never going to work. He he's going to have to move on. Jay, do you do you think it's in DeAndre Ayton's best interest to move on? Um, I don't know. Like if if he doesn't feel like he's uh like it, okay, so I'll just start from the beginning. So. I think where this DA whole situation comes, uh, like why it's so frustrating is that I think in hindsight, he hasn't been able or have the opportunity to like actually grow and like, yeah, uh, as just as a player and learn because uh, one, uh, you know, rookie season, you know, you're figuring out whatever. And then next season loses 25 games uh, just over his uh, PED thing. Then, uh, uh, COVID happens, you don't play for like, you know, six months, whatever, how long it was. And then uh, in the bubble, like I barely even remember him playing. Yeah. So then, so good, then no, he was, he was, oh, no, good. no, he, he was, was good. Solid. He was good. Everyone was good, uh, but he like, wasn't memorable. No, yeah, he the two memorable, memorable guys him. were campaign campaign and, 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 and book and book. Yeah. Yeah, those two carried. Then we go into the offseason and we acquire Chris Paul. And right away it's boot camp with Chris Paul, Booker, and Aiden. And and I like Aiden got like kicked in the butt to you know perform at the level that Chris Paul wants him to. I don't think he was necessarily ready for that, but we saw in the playoffs that he can obviously be a main factor and stuff. And like we've heard throughout, you know, the years and stuff and seeing Instagram posts, like he's not come to like Booker's house. We're uh, playing like poker games and stuff. And you, it, it always seemed like he was excluded. And then you're like, well, he had a baby, but like, like half of the people there have like kids and, and they're there and stuff. And hey, he just turned always out it felt, didn't matter because like, he's playing video yeah. games until 5am, but go on. <laughs> so like he, he's always like excluded himself or the team is excluding him. Then, like he's not a James Jones guy either, and like he might be uh, getting treated like shit. So like it, like if he is, and if it's in his best interest to move on, like feel free to move on. And like if, but if he doesn't want to be here just because of money, I don't I don't necessarily want to deal with that. I, I I kind of hinted to something like this. It was a similar rant, but I added like at the end, I don't think he's a sicko. And somebody just said it in the chat too. He's not a sicko yeah. like Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And I just don't think that their personalities mesh because they just think with a mama mentality type of thing. So I think with a guy like Beal coming in with a huge chip on his shoulder, I want to win. I want to do these things. I think he would have far more impact than DeAndre Ayton would. And Deion, honestly, dude, DeAndre Ayton can go to Charlotte. He can go to uh, Detroit, wherever some of those – towns where you're getting 25 to 30 wins and go see what that's like go see what it's like to be double team now because there's nobody else on the floor to guard to get guarded by see how that goes for you and i think he's going to realize he had it really good now he could go see if, if he goes to atlanta he's not going to be the number one guy in atlanta dude you know he's already got repertoires with uh, not Bogdanovich, kevin herter a couple of these other dudes you know what i mean and he's going to be going in for clint capella you know, he's going to be the starting center. He's going to be taking a backdoor to Trey Young. He'll be taking a backdoor in Seattle to DeJounte Murray. 
you know? So he, no matter where he goes in a few of those situations, he's not going to be the number one guy like he wants to be. You can be the number one guy in Detroit along with Cade Cunningham. Have fun doing that. That's kind of my rant on it. I don't know. I, I guess I have a different opinion because I look at it and I go, it's about time we have one shit. I know. Right. Like <laughs> dude shooting 63%. I mean, I'm just like, yeah. Like if a guy's shooting that much, if he's shooting it that efficient, then he should be shooting the ball more. And I think he wanted the ball more. And that's very clear, especially when the team was winning, he wouldn't say anything. The team was winning. Now we're in game seven life's on the line and he's not getting the ball and he's checked out. And I, I mean, I can speak from personal experience, like where it's just like, dude, I, you know, I'm doing everything I can for this team and no one's giving me the ball. I'm like, fuck this. But I just think that he has so much to give and we're like, we're, we're kind of being like, oh, well, you know, and I really think CP3 is a problem here. And and I keep, you know, I'm, I'm hinting at it, but I, I just think that CP3, if we have to rely on him, we're, we're, we're in trouble. We already noticed that. Yeah. We got yeah. to give the ball. Yeah, to somebody. Now, that's the issue. It's uh, depending on Chris Paul at this point. Yeah. With, and and, with his and, and let's say, let's say Aiden's not a sicko. Was Shaq a sicko? Sure. You yeah. think he 100% was a hundred percent a valid point? No, 100%. No, no, he would. No, he was not the point. He was okay. not at all. The point yeah. that you're that's making point, about though. him not being one is very that's good. Point. That's a really good yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, you can be a physical dominantly player and and still contribute enough to a winning team when you want to contribute, right? And I think that that's kind of where he's at because, I mean, I you know, I'm playing psycho psychologist here, but, like, you know, he, he's probably been the best player on every team he's ever played his entire life. He doesn't know. And all these seven-foot players, especially with his athleticism and skill and the way he can shoot um, automatically, it's just like, what what are you going to tell him to do better? You know, uh, jump higher. And at this point, it's only about effort. It's all about effort. That's all we're telling him. Be more aggressive. That's all we want, to be more aggressive. We saw it in the playoffs. We saw it against Anthony Davis. We saw it in the finals. And then, you know, he gets in a position where, oh, everything that Giannis does, is a, you're going to foul him. He runs into you, and that's a foul. Um, so he really... For him, imagine his age. He's like 22, 23 years old at the point. He doesn't know, like, and none of us would. And even if we were older, we still don't know. How do you? How, how are we supposed to play him defensively? So I just yeah. think I just think there's so much untapped potential with him that I, I wouldn't give up on it now. Sure, especially That's for not... another wing player because you're not going to get another uh, uh, front court player in that 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 has that kind of capability. Okay. Now let me pose this question to you, which is a realistic possibility as well. What if Booker and Mikhail and whatever player, even Chris Paul, you want to throw in there, what if they don't get along with him because these guys are putting in the work, they're doing all this stuff, they're watching extra film, DeAndre Ayton has come out saying he's playing video games, he comes in tired, he comes in lazy, they go to practice or do something and they see okay. that, they consistently see that. And they don't want to pass to him. You've been you put you've played in games before where there's somebody yeah. you don't pass to, right? What yeah. if they don't do that on purpose because of those reasons? He doesn't put in the work like they say. I again I don't know anything. I'm just spitballing out there because that could yeah. very well be a possibility. I would say this. I would say give it one more season and if he doesn't put the effort in, then, you can't, then cut him. You, you can't do it. You do just like one more. This was that give it one more season. You can't do it again because of contract situation. So, so I, the, like, 
Yeah. I, you I give him 150 saying. million, he comes out and does the same thing. Then where are we at? But he's in a limited role. That's a problem. Is that they don't give him the ball enough? But it's be, but we're talking about because of the reason I I told you because they see that he's lazy and they don't want to pass to him. I don't and, think and that's then, it. I think and, like and so, then, so, okay, hold on, hold on, real quick. Yeah. So if we're saying that, then what was CP3 doing in Game Seven? In Game Six, uh, this guy was point. lazy as fuck. Yes. He was lazy as yeah. fuck. Yeah, he did lazy. So I like uh, so if he. So if you, if you're not willing to give the ball to the guy that's the biggest, most dominant player and efficient player on your team, and you're trying to tell me that like he's not the guy because he didn't show up, well, he doesn't dribble the ball up the court. He doesn't catch the ball at the elbow and create. And yes, you're right. He needs to be able to do those things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my point is, is that like you have to live and die through him. And we live and died through Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Devin Booker couldn't figure out double teams. Chris Paul didn't want to shoot. Um, Mikael Bridges was a non-factor, and he's a $20 million player. And Cam Johnson is trying to be in the same range, and he couldn't make a shot. Um, so, and then, and then on top of that, campaign isn't going into contract here, right, next year. And he didn't show us anything that he could do. There's no confidence in this guy. Um, Landry Sham, I mean... It's it's funny, like I watch the finals or even like the, the the conference finals, and I'm just like, it'd be really nice if our role players showed up. It'd be really, really nice if they showed up. And, and it, none of those dudes showed up. It, it's it's hard. Like it, everybody was at fault. And I don't want to just be here blaming DeAndre Eight for this, DeAndre Eight and for that. That's kind of what we're doing right now because that's obviously the hot topic and what we're doing moving forward. We've said it multiple times, so let's get it very clear. Bridges didn't show up, Cam Johnson, Shamit, nobody showed up. The coaching staff didn't show up. They didn't make changes. It was a top to bottom, complete meltdown of like epic proportions. Um, Jay, you got cut off a few times. Please take the floor. Uh-huh. So, like, really my point was when we got uh, got onto the pod was if if we're going to, you know, keep Chris and and move on from Aiden, I think that's, like, uh, probably the best way uh, to do things. Uh, this is why, because our main issues with Aiden is overall effort and just overall how he fits in our offensive scheme and system. He doesn't roll correctly. He doesn't drive aggressively. And then, uh, yeah, he finishes around the rim pretty. And I look around the league, and there's comp- like comparable guys like Robert Williams and Clint Capella that roll correctly. They set aggressive screens. They make their presence known, and and then they cost a lot less. And those guys fit with how Chris Paul facilitates things. And if like Aiden thinks he's a max player, I think he's a max player, just not for this team. But like, I think we can find what we've been missing from DA in other players that aren't going to bitch as much and, and complain. And uh, that, that's just really my thinking. And then like, if we're, if we're going to keep Chris, we, we have to build around him. That's what the Clippers didn't do. That's not what new Orleans did. And like, uh, and Houston, he just got hurt. James Harden could have get it done uh, for one game. And OKC was just a pit stop. Uh, the the Clippers failed to surround Chris Paul for what he needed and him and Blake Griffin beefed. And that's why that whole thing collapsed. So if we can find a, if Chris can take a step back, we bring in some, some uh, somebody that has a deep offensive bag where 
him and Book are trading off just like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's finally stepped up and has actually been a comparable to like we, like we can roll uh, through the season and and Chris can just facilitate only play 25 minutes a night and then we can have uh, a portal or or Clint Compella or Robert Williams like whoever just doing what they're supposed to do roll set screens and kick it out to somebody in the corner when we when we need them to or do the fake handoff and drive and we've been we've only seen that from DA like three times in the last two years and that's one of the slickest moves that he can do and he does it very well, but he never does it. And then after he did that one move, like Booker in the press conference is like, we've been telling him to do that. Like, yeah, um, like, yeah, your bag is deep, do it. And he doesn't do it. And it's frustrating because we see it as fans uh, and, and like analysts, they, they, uh, they swear they watch Suns games, but they don't. They're like, hey, that man. Uh, like they, they kept on saying it every big game th- uh, through the season. Like, you got to pay that man. But us fans, we know where the effort level's at. We, we know what he's doing wrong. We see it every game. And I feel like we can de- find a big that can hit uh, hit those uh, those target areas that we're missing with DA at a cheaper price. At, at the same time, getting someone offensively impactful. So uh, that's where my thing is. That. You're not wrong, Ahmed, but I think that's where – this team no, you're not wrong, but I'm right. But the wrong. thing is, yeah, I think it's, I'll just say this: you're, you're not think, wrong, but fuck you. <laughs> no, I think it's unrealistic to think that you're going to get somebody that gets you the same production, offensive and defensively, that Aiton does. You can get a guy like you know Miles Turner or Clint Capella, right? But they're not going to be as efficient. They can only score one way. So DA can score a variability of ways. He's just he's just built that way, right? But if but he, then why doesn't he do it? I don't know that part. Like I, that's, that's the part that that bothers me the most, right? Like exactly. I, that's where I'm at. That's where I'm that, at. If that's, but that's what you and me, Ahmed, talked about. We only need him to score that one way. It's yeah. just the fact that DA doesn't do it. That's what's the frustrating part of this. But that's but what was my frustration with him since coming from Arizona, Ahmed is because he had that bag. You and I have talked about this, lost it, kind of regained it this year, but still wasn't quite that player we saw at U of A. Yeah. That's my and problem. This is going like, into year five now, and we're still having this conversation. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't do it, and I feel like that's coaching, and I, I think they don't give him the ball because he's never really – they've never just, like, thrown in the ball and just be like, go ahead, right? Like, he's not Joel Embiid. Yeah. Like Joel Embiid, they're just throwing the ball, just do your shit, right? We never do that with him. He has to be in a few pos- spots, elbow, uh, post spot, like pick and roll. Like he doesn't, he doesn't have, they don't just don't give him the ball and just say go. And at the same time, like, dude, if you, if you got, you know, the ball at the top of the key and you got like Pirtle on you, you can go around him. Like we know you can go around him, right? So, and he did it in that, that, that Lakers game. In the in the playoffs, right where he he went around uh, Drummond and yeah. did the reverse. So yeah, it's like you know you got it. That put out, yeah, yeah. You we know you got it, but I guess I I, I just don't, I I don't see why you would want to give up on him. He's twenty three years old. Like okay, let's say and right that's now that's the thing right there is he's twenty three and giving up on him. That is hard for me. I promise you. Okay, let's say this right now. You can flip. Horford, forget about contracts. Horford for uh, Aiden, would you do that? Yeah, you Just would do flip it. A one for one, yeah, one for one. 
Yeah. Yep. Oh, it doesn't matter where they are in the playoffs, where we end up. We're just we're just doing it for our team. We're age doesn't up. matter. We're just talking about skill set and stuff. Like, of course, his age comes into a factor, and I wouldn't do it. But for skill set, for purposes, like, yeah, I would do it if we could get that right now. Okay. I mean, I I just don't I just don't count on that, dude. I just don't count on it because we're seeing Chris Paul last year. He was great. Two years ago, he was great. Where is he now? Yep. Even though Horford is showing up right now, and props to him, dude. Pro- Horford is a badass. Um, there you go. But everybody, and that's the thing. Like it's recency bias. Like we're trying to build our team around what we see is winning. And I think that when you have the variability of DeAndre Aiden on your team, that's better than having a 35, 34 year old. Or I, I challenge people to go back and watch the first 16 games of last season when we went eight and eight. I promise you. Because I talked about it every day. That was a learning experience for this team. That was a learning experience, but you know what we did? All we did was try to get it down to DA and let him work. We kept doing it over and over and over, and when we got away from it, we started winning. Like, I I understand what uh, the skepticism that everybody's going to say, but we have done that. The thing that I always go back, which is weird to even me, is why was Ricky Rubio able to have so much success with Aiton? But why is Chris Paul, the guy that made... Uh, Tyson Chandler, Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, all these dudes, what they were, these high flyers and Lob City. Why was he not able to do that with Aiton? Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? No, yeah. no you can't, you can't, like, that's what's so weird about this is part of the reason why I do want to get rid of him. Like, this is the one guy Chris Ball hasn't been able to elevate as much as some of these other dudes, right? I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. So for me, I want another ball handler next to book. I don't count Chris Paul as the superstar anymore next to him. I I think Booker needs somebody else like a Bradley Beal. You need a shot creator, a shot, this shot, shot taker, maker, that kind of thing. And in the NBA, you need people that can create. DeAndre Ayton doesn't create, man. You can talk about the defense. You can talk about all this other stuff. But you look at a lot of these other teams that are winning with Zaza Pachulia as the damn center, man. You know, I just feel like, and especially in today's game, when we are going to face a lot of teams that do go five out, you can't be paying a center that you have to take out. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Before DeAndre Ayton was able to go out and to guard the perimeter, he stopped doing that. And he's only 23. I want a shot creator, not, I just, I, I want to pay a shot creator and not DeAndre Ayton. And it's not a knock on DeAndre Ayton, but you need two guys that can go and get you buckets. Look how good New Orleans is going to be now with Brandon Ingram and CJ. Two guys that can do it. Look how good Phoenix was when Chris Paul was that dude, right? Jalen Brunson and Luca tore it up. You need two guys that can go out and do it. And the good thing is, if you do have Chris Paul, Beal, and Booker, Chris Paul can sit out while Booker takes point or Beal takes point. Those guys can take turn, bring Chris Paul back in for the final five, six minutes of the second quarter instead of him starting the second quarter or starting the fourth quarter. This gives us more of that flexibility as well, too. You don't need a traditional point guard. Just look at what New Orleans did. That's just my take on it. I don't think you need a set center anymore. You don't need a set point guard anymore. You can have that person that dribbles the ball up but you don't need somebody to get into their offense. What you need is shot creators, or I would actually make, you know, offense creators. 
guys that can make the offense and make everything move. I almost want to put Dario into that category, but he's not the type of shot maker taker that I'm talking about. He can definitely create some stuff. I am curious to see him coming back if if we do keep him and how you know that all shakes up. Because I loved what campaign he had with Mikhail. together. Were him and campaign really, and Mikhail. It just worked. Yeah, it, it just, worked, it just did. I'm really curious about that. But Ahmed, that's where I come from. I want to pay that type of money to a shot maker, taker, creator, guy that can handle the ball and, and do all that stuff and elevate other people. And I don't want to pay DeAndre Ayton that money. That's where it's at. I understand. Um, and like I said, I mean, I'm, I'm just in a, a whole fog because like yeah. my inclination is to run it back and then make moves on the fringes, right? With the expiring contracts to get somebody else and keep DeAndre Ayton. Um, and get maybe somebody lower than a Bradley Bill, and maybe like a, like a who would be a good guy, like a Herder or somebody, like you know somebody else mm-hmm. uh, on the fringe, maybe or like a Eric Gordon or whatever it is, uh, ship out campaign, get Eric Gordon. Mm-hmm. But um, I just I, I don't want to mess up the chemistry because I think the chemistry was so strong. So this is the other thing that I thought about is that if we flipped, what happened, right? So let's say last year. We lost game seven at home by 30 points. And then this year we went to the finals and lost, you know, mm. uh, the same way we lost. Right. To Should have been flipped. Yeah. Right. Like it doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. It makes zero sense. It makes zero sense. It's just how the chips were. But yeah. last year we were, we were down we were eight and eight and people didn't believe us. And so we had people, we had the, t- the team rally around that fact. You know what I mean? And they fought and they had that chip on their shoulder. This year, it just felt like they expected it. They, they, they were. They didn't fight through adversity this year at all. Well, okay, so, um, they were undefeated in clutch time, right? So we can say oh. that they were like fifty-one and zero after leading after three or something stupid. Fifty-seven, dude. Fifty-seven games under five minutes. So that's something. But that was. Literally, I I, I want to say like 80% out of Chris Paul. And where was this dude in the playoffs? Where was this dude anywhere? Like, and when it like if it wasn't clutch, this guy didn't show up. I mean, he did go 14 for 14 to win us a playoff game, right? Which, which is historic. And I rubbed it in the face of my Pelicans uh, friend, uh, fan. I'm surprised you have a but, uh, Pelican friend. Yeah, I've never met a Pelican fan. I didn't even know he was. Yeah, I forgot crazy. that. Crazy. I forgot they had a basketball team because he's always been a Saints guy to me. I'd never thought of him as a, yeah. as a Pelican guy. Um, but uh, no, yeah. So, but that's it. Like, like you know, like that game was historic. Uh, but like, where was that? I mean, how does Jason Kidd, Jason Kidd of all people, the guy that's throwing drinks on the court to to get a timeout or whatever. Like, this is the guy that's beating you. And, yes, I can see people can grow, right? Like, as a coach, you can get better. But, like, he's straight up outcoached Monty Williams, coach of the year. What happened? We keep talking. We're going in circles. We're going in circles. We, we, should we, we can keep going. We got to we got to close out here. It's been an hour and 40 minutes. Uh, me and Ahmet has kind of taken the mic, and we've swallowed it to a point. Jay, what do you have, what do you have to say? Take us out before we play the outro and, and get out of here. Um, it, You know – being an Arizona sports fan, you know, it's rough. You know, we're going to go through all this stuff. But, you know, uh, this Phoenix Suns team is going to be hopefully our saving grace going forward. I've said it multiple times. I think this 
uh, team has a chance to be a dynasty uh, going into it. We have to get some cuts and bruises before uh, we finish on the other side. Uh, Jason Tan, he's been through his battles. He was in the Eastern Conference Finals at 19 years old. Uh, that's when LeBron absolutely dominated the East for fucking 10 years and stuff. And uh, it, he pushed it to game seven, and then he had to deal with Giannis and uh, the heat, the upcoming heat. And so, and now Tatum's in the finals. He may lose it, but still he's, he's earning his stripes. It took Giannis a long time uh, to get to where he was at and everything just worked that uh, it just worked last year for them. And, and it didn't happen uh, this year for them. And so uh, we're going to go through our stuff that we just concluded our second year of competitive playoff basketball in over a decade. And so I, I really want to like, like really tell people that because you know it's it's going to be a journey it's going to be a process as long as james jones continues to make the right moves and like we clean up the mess we we, we clear the swamp is what trump was preaching for like like three months like if we just clear all the negativity and you know we press forward and just be on the same page i know we could be back in the western conference finals at least so if that means sending aiden off I'm, I'm happy with it. If it means sending Cam Johnson off, I'm I'm cool with that. If if, we, if the whole team as a collective wants to run him back and just make it work and change the offense up a little bit, when if uh, Devin Booker and Aiden take the more offensive reign than CP and Book, like like I want to see it. I want I want to see those two take over together. Shaq and Kobe. We haven't we we haven't seen it, and I I would love to see that going forward. But like I refuse to just sit on our hands, uh, like man, the scene managers sit on their hands and not do anything. Uh, same thing with the coaching staff. Whatever Monty and Da have going on, it needs to be resolved. If not, send them off. Because I, as Arizona fans, we do not have the patience for BS because we've been you know thirsty for a long time for a championship. We've already been through the BS. Yeah, we've been through the BS. We've had bad ownership, Coyotes, the Suns, the Cardinals, uh, like. Like it's 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 to the point where it's ridiculous, you know. So we we have the team now. We need to take full advantage, and and I'd rather go out swinging than not do anything at all. If that means acquiring KD and just rolling the dice on it, like I like I want to do it. But with, with with that being said, uh, check out uh, Bian Amit's uh, first. Uh, he's on fire after dark show. Uh, it, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's two hours long. We went a little long, but, you know, it, it's filled with content. Uh, we took some jabs at Evan. I don't know if he listened to the whole thing, but, uh, uh, you know, it was it was a good show. We're, we're going to keep it going and uh, just going forward and stuff, and we'll see who's the best host at the end of the day. So <laughs> <laughs> let's, see who get, let's see who gets the top row. Uh, Roy, I would 100% trade DA for Paul George. I'm going to leave you guys with this question on the on the outro. If you make a fist and you hit yourself and it hurts, are you weak or are you strong? You're stupid. Think. <laughs> uh, no, are you weak or are you strong? Yeah, what Think the about fuck that, that for man? a second. <laughs> I I just needed to switch it up. Okay. Everything is I bad. In that real quick, real quick. Um, we got to get Brittany Griner out what? of Russia. We got to get Brittany Griner out of Russia. I'm just saying it again and just amplify that because. That's some bullshit to be caught up on some weed charges in Russia. And it's a political ploy in the war against Ukraine. They're trying to use it against us. Free her. 
Yeah. Thank it, you. It, Thank it's, you. It's dumb. It's dumb as shit. Yeah. It, and, and at the same time, like if we're going to exchange a Russian gun dealer, arms dealer for Brittany Griner, like that, that's some fuck shit. So like we, yeah. we got to figure, uh, we got to figure something out. There's no reason why she should be. Yeah, I don't up. know if that works in the trade machine either. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. But oh, she's anyways, right. guys. Thanks for coming on. Cheers to Susel. Thank you so much for coming on. You were awesome. It's good to have Ahmed back. We have the crew back. We're gonna get Suns fan Randy back at some point. He's on fire podcast. We'll see you guys next Sunday. Getting a little wild.